This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself, or the coronavirus itself, will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? This is Matter of Theology, that place where theology matters because everything is a matter of theology. I am Drew. Of course, I'm here with Chris, and we are a podcast production that seeks to approach church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We are on Patreon, so if you would like to partner with us, head on over to patreon.com slash theology and become a subscriber. Um, we are also members of the Christian podcast community. If you would like more Christian podcasts, Go check out strivingforeternity.org. There is, there is a plethora of <laughs> Christian podcasts. Do you like how I did that? Did the, your, is that was that your best Martin Lloyd-Jones right there? Uh, no, that oh, was... Plethora? No, that's actually from a movie, uh, The Three Amigos. Yes. Where he was like, <laughs> would you say I have a plethora of gifts? Yes, yes, I would say you have a plethora of gifts. <laughs> Man, oh gosh, thank you for saying that. My wife and I have been actually thinking about watching that, and uh, we forgot about it. And so when I get home later, I'm like, babe, yep. here's what we're watching. The Three Amigos is a good one. And also, uh, it is October. Um, it it is. is Cruciform Conference Month. Uh, if you are planning on going to the Cruciform Conference, we... Would love to meet you there. Uh, it is on holiness, and that is a topic that is much needed. The conference is going to be in Indianapolis, Indiana, and right. the pre-conference is on abortion. And we are going to be doing the pre-conference, mm-hmm. and we are going to be having a guest, supposedly Andrew Rappaport of the Christian Podcast, podcast Community. community. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> I mean, would you say he's like, I mean, I wouldn't say he's like our boss, but I would say he's just like, he kind of runs Christian podcast community. So uh, uh, our podcast is through his network. So uh, uh, make sure you uh, just come to the Cruciform Conference. Uh, Cruciform Conference is going to be really good. Uh, Justin Peters is going to be there. Gabe Hughes is going to be there. Jeffrey Johnson is going to be there. Yep. Uh, there's going to be just a whole lot of people there. And we have already started promoting Cruciform. I'm so excited about this, man. Cruciform 2021 is going to be amazing because the theme is still standing. Mm. 
and we're going to be basically the he, here's the the idea if you don't know church history um learn it because <laughs> because where this comes from is martin luther before the diet of worms where yeah. he made his famous statement uh here i stand so help me god um mm. And this is a place where he was asked to recant his writings. Um, And it is, um, uh, it shows the boldness of Martin Luther. Uh, It shows an unwavering resolve that he was going to stand on the word of God and nothing else. Uh, The word of God does not err, but popes and councils do. Uh, And that was, was his his big statement that he mm. would stand on the word of God. So uh, where we don't just look back and say that was where Martin Luther stood. We actually bring that forward and say we are still standing. Amen. Come on, bro. So uh, if I, 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 there's a promo code, I don't know the promo code. But still the, standing, all one word. Okay, still standing. Promo code still standing if you use that code to get your cruciform conference 2020 tickets on holiness, you get what? 10% off. Yeah. 10% off. 10% off. So get your cruciform conference tickets this year using promo code still standing and you get 20% or is that right? 20%? 10. 10. Why was I thinking 20? 10% off. Wishful thinking brother. I know. You'll want to do that. So go to cruciformministries.org and get your tickets. But uh, this is Reformation Month. It is. Uh, for us Reform folks, this is kind of like a big deal. This is, the, this is a big deal, man. It's, you know, a, it's, it's a huge deal. You know, people, when, when Halloween comes, well, not Halloween, but when October hits, people are like, fall and like pumpkins and girls dress like Han Solo all the time. <laughs> and it's pretty much like all about fall pumpkin spice and Halloween. Well, if you are reformed and, oh gosh, and I use that kind of broadly, you know, cause I reformed Baptists and Presbyterians. We don't want to leave out our, our Presby brothers and sisters. Uh, who would actually say we're not truly reformed because we don't hold to pedo baptism, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the Reformation is what October is all about because yeah, in 1517, October 31st, that was when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg. Now, yeah, this wasn't people will say, well, he was this was where he started the a protest and stuff that. Nope, that's not what it was. The church door was basically like the bulletin, bulletin board, board for the community. So what he was doing was he was hammering in points of debate that he wanted to have with priests, popes and councils. Uh, he wanted to debate these issues as to who was the authority in the church. And uh, from there uh, sparked the Reformation, that which actually brought about uh, sola scriptura. Scripture alone is the infallible word of God, the foundation on which we stand. So, uh, but there's, uh, there is uh, more to it than that, right? That's kind of what launched it. That's what launched the, the Reformation. 
Um, but today mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about more specifically the worship of the Reformation, because in a letter that John Calvin wrote to Charles V, uh, he he wrote that basically the the whole Reformation. Uh, and the letter was called the necessity of the Reformation. Yep. He John Calvin basically said that everything centers around our worship and how mm-hmm. we worship. And the goal really was to bring everything back to what's called the regulative principle of worship. Now, the regulative principle is basically uh, holding to what God has prescribed in Scripture, the way that we worship God, the way that God has said that we are to worship Him, the worship him the way that he has revealed uh we're not to go outside that uh anything outside that really is a worship of self because we're bringing we're we're importing how we want to worship god rather than focusing on god uh, on how god says we are to worship him right right absolutely man well and and the reason that we do that and um, this is something that uh, we had a chance to talk uh, to, to Catherine Cooley about church history and the, the importance of church history. But um, I want to read a quote um, out of this, uh, out of a book uh, that I've been reading. And I've been reading this for... Wait, hold on, time out. Hold that thought. Because you mentioned Catherine Cooley. Yeah. Uh, by the way, she's going to be at the Cruciform Conference too. So if you listen to the Biblical Woman podcast and you want to meet her... Since she's the host of it, go to Cruciform Conference. You got to come. You got to come. come. There you go. Everyone's going to be there. Everybody's going to be there, bro. Everybody's going to be there. Time Time in. in. Um, So uh, this book is called Reformation Worship, and uh, it's a book that I've been reading off and on uh, since late 2018. Uh, But in the chapter um, entitled Worshiping in the Tradition, Principles from the Past for the Present, uh, Jonathan Gibson and Mark um, Ernge. Uh, here's one of the quotes and I underlined this, I started and I wrote key in big capital letters outside of this quote. Check it out. Uh, it says this quote, any church that cuts itself loose from this stream of Christian worship throughout history is a church that risks severing itself from her heritage and from her head for Christ is Lord of the church's history and heritage. He is the head of his body, the church, a church formed not in the last six years, but over the last six millennia. Since God first spoke his formative word of grace in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3.15, thus when the church gathers for worship today, she ought to reveal her ancient roots. We worship on the shoulders of those who have worshiped before us. We worship with all the saints, present and past. And that, of course, is referencing uh, Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. And in, in John chapter 4, starting in the 22nd verse, we read this. Uh, and this, of course, is the non-Arminian standard Bible, the premier, premium. Uh, what other word am I looking for? Translation. <laughs> Uh, Drew shaking his head. Um, it says this, you worship what you do not know. This is Jesus speaking. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. 
For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And I want to draw your attention to the first part of verse 22. When Christ made the statement, you worship what you do not know. So something stood out to me when preparing to study for this episode of Matter of Theology. In in the grand scope of the evangelical church today, this very rebuke falls on many who would profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many professing evangelicals ascend into the four walls of their local church and engage in worship, yet are met with liturgies that are completely void of equipping their flocks with the proper tools needed to rightly worship in spirit and in truth. Now, in the 16th century, Martin Luther, John Calvin, and the other reformers were fighting for a reformation against what had been deformed. The Roman Catholic Church and church had filled churches with tradition and turned worship into something that was done for you instead of something that you that, that you would do and that would equip you to live your life as a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ, as a sojourner in this world. Now, th- there are, are many churches that treat the worship of God by his people in a normative way. And this goes directly against what God teaches in his word. So I would ask the question, why can't we just get this one right? However, the answer, I believe, is the very reason for the fall itself. We don't take God's word seriously. Even those of us who would say we are reformed. Even if we say we believe in the veracity of the scriptures, then why don't we do what they say? You know, Luke chapter 6 and verses 46 through 49 states this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you who he was like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. When the floods occurred, the torrent burst against the house, and and it could not shake it because it had been well built. Verse 49, but the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any any foundation, and the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. So today, I believe another reformation is, is needed and is happening when it comes to the way the church worships. So as, as, as Drew said so wonderfully, it being Reformation Month, we want to just take a look at the ways the Reformation also reformed worship in the church and see what we can learn concerning what needs to be reformed in our day when it comes to the way we worship. Drew, what you got, man? You know, that passage of Scripture you just quoted um, about the man who, who built his, his yeah. uh, house on the, on the sand— you know, it just it just made me think that uh, any worship, any way that we worship uh, that is not found in Scripture, that is not what God has commanded us to uh, to worship Him, um, is shaky foundation. Yeah. Whenever we uh, try to worship God in a way that He has not. Uh, commanded us to worship him is yeah. is building on shaky ground that's it's right. something that will not last that's right uh, we're, we're we're trying to establish something that will be swept away from under us mm-hmm. uh, 
but in getting into the Reformation, the whole, and I heard uh, uh, Francis Chan say something about, you know, uh, the preachers didn't use pulpits or they didn't used to be in the center oh, of the yeah. church until, yeah, yeah. until the reformation and this whole reformed thing and stuff like that. Well, that's not true, but what the reformation no. did was it brought the focus back to the pulpit in the center of worship. It brought scripture back to the center of worship because before then, what what was going on? Well, we had all these. You, you had things such as uh, John Tetzel, right, uh, collecting um, indulgences, mm-hmm. selling indulgences uh, for people, and, and that was a form of worship. You have the mass, which still continues today, which is a re-crucifying of Christ. Yeah, uh, wow. and and anytime you do that, that is actually a denial of what Christ has already done. Mm-hmm. You don't have to keep re-crucifying him. He has been crucified and he has been raised. The tomb is empty, right? He's sitting in victory at the right hand of the Father. So what the Reformation did was it it took the focus off of all the nonsense and all, off of all the garbage and off of all the uh, just emptiness that was coming from the Pope, and it brought it back to Scripture. It brought the focus back to the preacher in the pulpit proclaiming God's Word and then calling the people to action. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. And right on. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, and, and of course with those, and that, that just kind of, man, again, that just is a perfect segue to, to where we're going. Um, you know, you, you talked about sola scriptura, um, you know, those, those solas. And I think I, I mean, anybody that listens to our show probably knows what they are. Um, but, but we must be willing to stand on the truth of those five solas and, and that the reformers stood for, and a return to them was and is absolutely critical and crucial to the recovery of the true gospel and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and for those who may not know, because uh, we have uh, gathered a few additional listeners since our last episode, um, sola is Latin for alone. So the, the five solos of the Reformation answered for us the most crucial question, question that we as human beings could ever ask. How can sinful man be right with God? And those five solas answer uh, answer that question. They play a crucial and absolutely closed-handed role in how salvation takes place. Um, and, however, each of them also contributes to how the Lord desires that his people worship him. Those five solas uh, are used for that as well. So th- these reformers gave ample time and att- attention to the subject of worship. And the recovery and the rediscovery of the true gospel of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ and the reformation of worship are two sides of the very same coin. You can't separate the two as they're both a ministry of the inerrant, infallible, and absolutely sufficient word of the living God. Now, the the reformers took the liturgies that framed church services as important as the application of the scriptures themselves. You couldn't just throw something together hoping that it fits or hoping that it will work. Uh, and, and speaking of John Calvin, uh, you know, he wrote this in, in The Necessity of Reforming the Church in 1544. Listen to this quote. Quote, if, if it be inquired then, 
by what things chiefly the Christian religion has a standing existence among amongst us and maintains its truth, it will be found that the following two not only occupy the principal place, but comprehend under them all the other parts, and consequently the whole substance of Christianity, a knowledge first of the mode in which God is duly worshipped, and secondly, of the source from which salvation is to be obtained. When these are kept out of view, though we may glory in the name of Christians, our profession is empty and vain. If anyone is desirous of a clearer and more familiar illustration, I would say that rule in the church, the pastoral office, and all other matters of order resemble the body, whereas the doctrine which regulates the due worship of God and points out the ground of which the consciences of men must rest their hope of salvation is the soul which animates the body, renders it lively and active, and in short, makes it to be not dead, excuse me, makes it to be not a dead and useless carcass. As to what I have yet said, there is not controversy among the pious or among men of right and sane mind, period, close quote. So something Dr. Sinclair Ferguson points out about this quote is the combination of the fundamentals, worship and gospel, okay? And the real reason for that is because, and I'm quoting here, because the first fruit of rightly understanding the gospel is true worship. It is that important. What you got, man? Well, I mean, I just think they go, they <clears throat> they go hand in hand, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. like that. Uh, you you know you you have you can't have one without the other, right? But they but they continue to go round and round and feed one another, right? Yep. So an understanding of the a true understanding of the gospel is going to lead to true and right worship. Uh, true and right worship. Uh, leads to further understanding of the gospel, right? So yeah. they just keep continuing to feed off of one another. That's right. Which is which is why, going back to that Calvin quote, the pastor, right, is to be the one who delivers these things. He's so the pastor is the chief worship leader, right? It's not the guy in the skinny jeans and the Chelsea boots sitting on top of the stage uh, playing the guitar. Okay, it's not him. All right. It, the chief worship. Actually, I never leader. wore those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not him. The chief worship leader is the pastor. Amen, the one who would deliver the sermon. Now, the pastor should be involved in the songs that are picked yes. uh, because they need to be songs that glorify Christ, that edify the body, that when sung, uh, the people minister to one another, mm-hmm. uh, ones that, that reach the soul, uh, ones that stir the heart, but also bring glory to God. Uh, so, so we, the pastor needs to be involved in the songs that are chosen. Yeah. Uh, the, the pastor needs to be involved in the liturgy that is read. If, if your church does liturgy, um, but the focus, the height, the pinnacle, the apex of the church service is not the music portion. Come on. It's the preaching of the word. Amen. Come that on, bro. is where the true worship comes from. Because Why? Because you have the one who is the mouthpiece for God, the preacher, the pastor. He's 
reading, he's explaining, he's opening mm. up the text, he's delivering it, he's he's bringing about application, and the yep. people who are sitting, coming under that proclamation, are, are they should have their hearts filleted open. They mm. should be coming under submission to the scriptures, and Come it on, should bro. move them to action. It should move them to repent of their sin, to. Uh, further deepen their faith in Christ. It should move them to actually walk in holiness and it should move them to glory and honor, bring glory and honor to God in their lives and then bring about deeper worship. So, so, so I say all that, uh, diving deeper into what I said before about true worship comes from an understanding of the true gospel. And then yeah. the true gospel leads to uh, true and right worship. But all these things come from come from Scripture. That is our That's source. Right. That's so right. So any pastor that wants to import something that is th that is outside of Scripture, he's doing a disservice to his congregation. He can he, and and he actually runs the risk of leading people in his congregation. Uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. It, it's the, the, the fuel, the fuel behind worship, the fuel behind the worship of the saints of God is the work of the word of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That's the fuel. That's the spark. That's, that's, that, that's what you need to make fire, right? You need, you need oxygen, you need fuel and you need an igniter. Okay. Yeah, the word so, of God is all those good. So, so we know some people that would say, that, that would claim to be reformed, but also charismatic. But they would say, well, no, the fuel is the Holy Spirit. Okay, there, there's a portion that's correct because it's the Holy Spirit that applies the scripture to the listener. Correct. So don't, right, don't get the modes uh, confused. The Holy Spirit is involved, but the Holy Spirit is the one that applies the scripture to the, the listener and correct. moves the listener to action. That's right. That's right. Uh, wholeheartedly agree wholeheartedly agree and amen and right on so the the question that the reformers would ask when when thinking about approaching worship were questions like this they would say uh how has god revealed to us what his pleasure is in worship they would ask questions like how can we work that in, out in our environment and in our own congregations and then why Right. So, so and here, here, here's the why. And this this is it. Right. The last sola. So that all that is done for the edification and the building up of the body of Christ and soli deo gloria, all for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. When we do not seek to keep these and questions like this, we will and, and, and we don't ultimately mine the word of God, plumb the word of God to find the answers needed on our approach to worship and ultimately to God himself. We will end up adopting and it's proven and seen throughout the whole of the evangelical church and in, in, in evangelical Christianity, a very at best pragmatic and normative approach mm -hmm. to worship to God. Um, and at worst, not approaching or worshiping God at all. Mm -hmm. So yeah. just doing quote unquote, what works or what seems quote unquote cool is not how we see anyone approaching the living God in the scriptures or during the Reformation. Right. And, and and I do want to clarify as well that people would say, well, you know, 
we get the normative principle from Luther who really, you know, ignited the reformation. So, you know, would you be saying this against Luther? Well, the problem is, is that Luther in this sense, in today's day is, would actually be more regulative principle than the normative in today's day. Uh, you know, people <laughs> like Luther wasn't pragmatic. Uh, Luther didn't just do what worked. Um, so I wouldn't, uh, I, I would be very careful if someone wanted to throw out just the, the idea of, well, Luther was normative. Therefore, you know, we, we, we can be normative as well. No, because today's normative is not the same as Luther's normative. No. Uh, and, 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 and Luther, what, what's interesting is Luther, what, the people that say that, I feel like they, they haven't really done an all study right. as far as the liturgies and the things that he would write, right. um, because he actually wasn't very normative. Right. Um, he, he wasn't at all. Um, uh, he was, he, he was, I mean, Calvin crafted what he did after Luther That's right. and then on Calvin's deathbed, Calvin urged the, his company of pastors. He said, change nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so, so I, I think that's incredibly, an incredibly lazy statement for somebody mm -hmm. to make that, that, to say that Luther was, well, the reason we got Luther, you know, normative is, is, is Luther was that way. Right. N no. No, 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 he wasn't. No, right. not at all. Right. It, what, what, you know what really blows my mind? This blows my mind. People who claim to be reformed, right? They claim to be reformed. And then they want to say, we do everything as close to the Bible as possible. And then the things they do are not in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and like they actually scoff at people that are regulative principle <laughs> yeah yeah they say things like man that's disappointing or uh or don't put god in a box bro um yeah. and yeah, i'm like bro. you know well then don't call yourself reformed bro, bro. because by, <laughs> by, by reformed comes from calvin who was regulative uh, yeah. principle uh yeah title bro <laughs> yeah i'm sorry I'm you can't bros out yeah i know <laughs> You can't call yourself reformed and be okay with playing Bethel Hillsong or Elevation in your church services. Right. I'm sorry. That's nothing reform reformed about that. Anyway, nothing. moving forward. <laughs> so now remember, as we discussed, um, and something that I know that you've heard here on Matter of Theology is the commitment to sola scriptura. Uh, and this was the, and Drew said it earlier, this was the linchpin in each of the five solas. And, and this is crucial when it comes to our worship as to what's being done in worship is teaching theology. Mm -hmm. So what kind of theology will you be teaching in word or in deed? There's a good question. So specifically when it comes to music, the content of what we choose and where we choose it matters. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that again. When it comes to the music chosen in your churches, the content of what we choose and where we choose it absolutely matters. Yeah. Okay. From a biblical standpoint, it matters. But then from a physiological standpoint that matters, music, music is, has the ability of taking the information that's in whatever we're listening to and, and helping us to be able to write that content on our hearts and in our minds. Okay. You think of if you ask anyone, pretty much in the United States of America, I want you to sing for me the ABCs. 
everybody's going to do pretty much the same tune or very a, a slight variation of a b c d e f g h i j k you know like it, it, here's another example i have a four-year-old so anybody out there who has someone my son's age most likely is going to be familiar with a guy named blippy okay I unfortunately can sing the garbage truck song, the fire truck song, the police car song, uh, so on and so forth. Um, it's catchy stuff. Music has a way of taking content. And, and like I said, it, it, it helps us from a physiological standpoint. And God designed us that way. Music helps us learn. And this is why there are so many today in the who are, and rightly so, outspoken against the quote-unquote 7-Eleven songs that are out there. And listen, I used to be one of them. I used to be one that would listen to them and lead worship with those songs and nothing but those songs. Mm -hmm. However, the, the older I've gotten in my walk with the Lord and by His grace, the more I desire and long for, long for the songs that, that teach me and remind me of the rich truths and doctrines and confessions that we've been given by God's grace and mercy. And I've come to know and love them. So singing songs that just say, this is how I fight my battles a hundred times does nothing for me and hear me. It does nothing for you either because it was written by a heretic. Anyway, moving on. Those songs versus the songs that remind me of the power of God that lives in us through Christ alone, man, those songs incite almost a visceral reaction in a positive sense. Plus, it actually trains my mind that informs my heart that something I can turn to that has depth that will encourage me in moments I need it the most. So mm -hmm. we, 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 we cannot and, and and, 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 and must put a priority. We cannot not, and, but we must put a priority on the key truths that these reformers focused on, right? The centrality of, uh, uh, in the exposition and rightly in context, applying the scriptures in all of the five solas, especially in worship. What you got, man? Yeah. You know, it's in talking about music, the more I listen to hymns, the more I love yeah. hymns. Oh man. You know? Um, and one of the thing, and, and you probably know, like I do as well, uh, playing worship music is that, uh, you know, now when we, when you go to a church that plays a lot of, uh, say you have a five song set, right. At the right. beginning of, of service, usually you have some kind of a breakdown as to how you want your songs ordered because you want to, uh, stir up some kind of emotion, right? You want something up front that's really peppy and, and upbeat. But as it kind of, you, you know, goes through, you want something kind of in the middle, but you also want something that's very, uh, very deep and, and to bring people to that place of longing after that, right? So in a way, there's, there's some manipulation there. Right. And, and I'm telling you, man, like I was all a part of it too. Right. And if you've listened to our, uh, our reckless love, reckless worship, uh, episode from when we very first started, uh, matter of theology, I'm a guitar player. 
one of the reasons I really got into guitar was because I wanted to play these songs that really, uh, that they had cool guitar riffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could be the guy on stage that people looked at was like, man, I want to be like that guy. <laughs> and, 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 and Chris and I differ on this, but even now to where I am now, I still love playing guitar. All right. I got my, my Gibson Les Paul sitting right there. All right. I've got my Jackson Sustaniac sitting right there. All right. I've got my acoustic sitting right there. Okay. I, I'm surrounded by guitar, very expensive guitars. Oh, yeah, I man. love guitars. Oh, yeah. But in church, Chris will tell you this. I've told him I hate playing acoustic or I hate playing electric guitar. I hate it now. Um, well, and- you said we differ, <laughs> but brother, since the last time you and I talked about that, uh, we are on the same page, man. Yeah. And my reason being now, uh, uh, there are ways I understand there's a lot of guys that, that I would, that could, you could say use it properly and things like yes, that. But yes, to, for me, yes, absolutely. my opinion is that it's far too distracting uh, when you get into some of these songs. I am, I, I have no problem with acoustic guitars, things like, I got no problem with drums, anything like that. But Sometimes I just think the music portion can be way too distracting because people are focusing on the band rather than the words that they're singing. Yeah. And, and we've had it said, right. We, we, when we talk about hymns, well, they're just too wordy. Well, yeah, they're supposed to be because there's a lot more theological depth than just, Ooh, ah, Ooh, ah, whoa, whoa. Okay. That's not worship. Right. No, no and, no. and not only that, but when you start getting specific type of singers in certain places, songs have to be certain keys for people to sing. Well, not everyone in the congregation can sing in those keys, which means some songs are unsingable for people, which is why hymns are very great because hymns are written in five parts, yep. which means everyone in the congregation can sing. And that's the point. And that's that the, point. Is the point. Yes. The point is not to have uh, a, a singer or group of singers on a platform uh, to, to, to showcase their talent and ability and leave the congregation in the dust. It's mm-hmm. uh, that is um, th- that is not at all uh, what worship is supposed to be uh, like from a musical standpoint. And I wholeheartedly agree, man. And you and I have had those same conversations with those same people that have said that, um, you know, to which, you know, and, and they're the same people who, uh, who, who tell us that, you know, you're making an idol out of theology, you're making an idol out of God's word. Uh, okay. Um, uh, I, I don't tell doubt- me, how do you know about God? Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Your, your presuppositions way off there, big boy. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's one of those things that you, uh, no, no, there, there, there's the, the wordy is good. It trains your mind. It informs your heart. It, uh, you want wordy. You do, uh, you want to be, uh, simple, but you want wordy. And and I don't know how else better to say that, Mm -hmm. that than to say that because look, well, look at the Psalms, right? The Psalms are songs and look at how wordy some of those things are, but look at how deep and how rich they are. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So, you know, the, the, obviously the, the primary source um, of theology for the reformers and for us is the word of God. Um, you know, but, but the reformers understood um, how, 
how that all works between between worshipers, um, and, and what they believe, what they sing, and 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 how we communicate that theology. Um, I, I mean, it's man, in studying for this episode, I got to be honest. I mean, there, there was so much about the liturgies, you know, that were written in the the 16th and 17th centuries and beyond that I'm just like, man, I, I wish we would do that now. I wish we would that there there were there were times in in worship services where creeds and confessions are being read aloud that 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 pastoral prayers were actual pastoral prayers and not just people who decided what they were going to pray two minutes before they stand up there, (laughs) but they were thought out. They were prayed about. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that those liturgies and, and, and worship services with the reformers, their pastors were in worship with the congregation. Let me stress that. Let me stress that you pastors and elders out there, if you're not in worship, singing with your congregation, you are not fulfilling your role completely as a pastor. Yeah. Be with, and that may get me in trouble right there, but let me just say that I say that in love. And I say that based upon what church history and the word of God teaches us what Mm -hmm. you got. Yeah. I mean, I think you make a good point. You know, sometimes I think about it like the only thing missing in some of these some of these church services is like the guy in the booth announcing. And now your pastor (laughs) coming down the left side in Ed Young's church, you know, (laughs) you know, it's like he's he's back in his office, you know, getting hyped so he can run down down the runway to to get on the stage and hype everyone up. But I mean, worship with your people like I don't need that. They need to see you. Yeah, they need to see. They need to see the work of the word on you Mm -hmm. and and, and the the response Mm -hmm that has been uh that, that has been 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 pruned mm-hmm. and nurtured by the holy spirit come out as you sing with your yeah. flock approaching the throne of grace with confidence as you teach and admonish one another yeah. by singing psalms hymns and spiritual Dude, songs you know so so every sunday right and and i go to a church plant right and and so every sunday when i'm there I'm, I'm looking and, and of course there's an elder candidate that comes down that, that will read scripture um, after we sing and he'll do a, a prayer of confession. But our pastor during singing is sitting up front. Come on. He's sitting up front and he's worshiping and I'm going, Amen. Yes. Amen. And if he, if he's not directly up front, he's, he's with his family, like in the middle. Um, of of the the room that we're in because we're we meet in a hotel so he's kind of sitting with his family in the middle there but he's he's there he's with the people right i don't understand why uh, and then when you and i have gone to visit other churches right where's the pastor right there up front yeah where's if there's a guest preacher where is he right there up front yeah worshiping so, you know, and one of the things in, in talking, you were talking about liturgy, you know, it takes me back to when, you know, the times you and I go to visit uh, Praise Mill, right? One of the things that they do that I absolutely love is, you know, they, they, they sing, they'll mm-hmm. pray, mm-hmm. 
they'll have one elder come up and read an Old Testament passage. They'll pray. They'll sing. They'll have another elder come up and read a New Testament passage. Yep. They'll pray. They'll sing again. <laughs> and then um, and then they'll do uh, some other little things, you know, um, that that, that yep. kind of the church is is involved in. Yep. Um and then, and then Josh Bice will get up and he'll, he'll give his sermon. Uh, but I mean, the, the whole service is saturated with scripture, prayer, and singing. Uh, yes, 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 yes. And that's, yeah. you know, worship leaders out there, uh, as somebody now who, by God's grace, and, and I haven't done it in action a long time, uh, you know, for, for, for multiple reasons, but, um, I, I miss it, um, wholeheartedly miss it. I, I, I definitely feel like this is a season of, of God saying no, uh, to that right now, which is okay with me because that's what God's saying. Um, and, uh, and, and, but thankfully coming up in December, I'll have a chance to, uh, to, to start doing that again. Um, uh, so, but worship leaders out there, I want to talk to you for a second. And what we can learn from these reformers, what we can learn from them is everything you do needs to be ruled by doctrine found in the scriptures. Worship leaders out there, the songs that you pick matter. We've already said that. Worship leaders out there, you need to... Uh, and this is something that that floored me, and I'm going to share this, and this is not me bragging on me. Let me just preface that, because I would get people all the time that would say to me, you know, wow, Chris, I, I, we've never had a worship leader that, that reads so much scripture or that quotes so much scripture. You remember hearing that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm like, why? Yeah. Why haven't you? <laughs> Or my favorite, that, that, you're, you're reading too much scripture. I was just about to, I was, I was just about to go there. So, so yeah, yeah. I was told once, hey, don't, don't read too much scripture. That's the pastor's job. Your job is to lead. His job is to proclaim. And I'm like, uh, well, okay, sure. Anyway, moving on. Um, I'm really trying hard not to be in trouble, but I'm, I'm really also not doing a very good job. Anyway, worship leaders, saturate what you do with scripture. Let it regulate the songs that you pick. Let and when I say that, I mean this. And this is something else that I was that I would always hear is, man, thank you for vetting the ministries and the songs before you just throw them up there, because that matters, guys. Playing songs from Bethel is not okay. That does not honor the Lord. I don't care what the song says; they're written by false teachers and cultists. Hillsong, no, no, Hillsong, no, Elevation. Hillsong, their pastor has a his wife is a woman pastor. They have they have no problem with 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 homosexuality, none whatsoever. Nope. None. Period. None. No. Do not play their songs. You don't need to. Not to mention, uh, Carl Lentz was on Oprah and asked about abortion, and the homeboy view. just couldn't just say. Well, he was on Oprah too, but um, but he just he, he just couldn't say abortion is murder. Quit doing yeah. it. You know. Um, he, he was, well, well, you know, we just, I just, I don't know their story, man. You know? So it's like, uh, I can't, I can't judge someone because I don't know their story. You know, uh, no, Carl murders, murder, abortion Absolutely. is murder. Stop it. 
Yep, absolutely. Uh, Elevation. No, I'm sorry. Stephen Furtick is a prosperity gospel guy who is a narcissist who is 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 teaching that Jesus broke the law for you, uh, you know, broke the law out of love for you. That is not at all the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't need to play their songs because every time you do what you end up doing is you send money to them. Number one. So you're financially supporting the ministry of false teachers. One. Two, you are in danger of exposing someone who may or may not be um, mature in their walk with the Lord and the ability to discern right between almost right or even right from wrong when it comes to discernment. So you could be exposing them to false teaching that would lead them astray. You, you don't need to do it. There are so many there. Are, you know, I used to get asked all the time. I, I was actually asked this question. Well, if we don't play these songs by these people, um, then then what else is left? <laughs> that was said to me by by multiple people. And I'm like, there's a lot out there. <laughs> there's a whole lot out there. It, or, or you may get guys. And listen, listen, it, it, you, worship leaders, you are not might you will get pushback on this. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I'm talking about visceral. Visceral. Pushback. Yes. I'm talking about you foamy might get at cursed, the mouth. Cursed at. You will get cussed at. I have been by someone who called himself reformed. Going back to that. So, but stand firm, stand your ground. This is what, look, who do you want to honor, men or God? And this is not some subjective truth of holiness and morality that Chris is saying, well, I know better, or I'm holier than you, or I'm holier than this person. No, it's by God's grace that he opened my eyes to this. Mm-hmm. And it's been a process for me of, of, of moving away from going, man, I love the song Mighty to Save. I love the song Cornerstone, right? Those are both Hillsong tunes. I will not play them ever again. Mm-hmm. I won't. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 you know, and that goes, goes to a point of, you know, the question of does a song stand on its own merits? Well, no, no. it doesn't because no, it doesn't. It, it, and here's, here's the point because you know, you and I were, uh, t- you know, talking about the Bethel stuff, I mean, years ago. Um, and, and I, I was asked to, to put some things together about Bethel, which I did. Um, but not only that, but I also pulled some songs from other places not Hillsong yeah. or, or Bethel, but they were songs that I researched that looked to be very, very scriptural and very biblical. You know what sure. they were? They were Mormon songs. There you go. So a song does not stand on its own merits if they are written by heretics. That's right. That's right. So worship leaders out there, be, be regulated by the word of God. And, and know that, again, and that, that quote that I read there at the beginning, you know, know that knowing Knowing church history is knowing Christ's bride's story. Do you understand that? He's the head of the church's history. Mm-hmm. So contribute to the further edification of the saints, uh, the, the equipping of the flock of God among you um, in, in the songs that you pick. Equip them with the scriptures that you read. Remember that the only infallible portion of any worship service is when the scriptures are read and proclaimed. That's it. Mm-hmm. So th- no, there's no such thing as too much scripture. And any pastor, honestly, and I w- kind of wish I would have had this red flag when this was said to me, any pastor out there that tells you not to read so much scripture, that's his job. 
you might want to think about leading worship elsewhere. Because when we, when we look at what the scriptures command and state, when we look at the, the history of the reformers and what they were able to do and how far and wide the liturgies that Luther mm-hmm. wrote and spread, you know, and, and, and then you see uh, everything he did. And then you got Zwingli and Bullinger and Booser and Calvin, and, and you just see this reformation of, of the church and the gospel, but of worship just absolutely explode and and it and it didn't stop uh w- with those guys you know in england 1549 through 1552 you have thomas cranmer writing the book of common prayer and in 1550 you got john knox pinning the practice of the lord's supper and then 1556 knox and others reformers wrote the form of prayers in geneva uh, and, and that eventually became the book of common order in 1564 and these are just a few examples of what started throughout the 16th century Reformation, how it reformed the church, it reformed worship, and we mm. need that. We so desperately need that again today. You know, when you get on Apple Music or Spotify, and all right, so right now, and, and Drew can see me, but you guys can't. I'm going to pull up Apple Music because I'm an Apple guy. your product. Hey, it is. It is. It's just like the New American Standard. It's just a superior superior translation. Um, sorry. Uh, so, all right, hang on. I'm trying to get to genres. I'm doing this just on the fly. So, where did they they changed it? <laughs> hang on one second. <laughs> Categories. Oh, there we go. Yeah, they changed it. All right. Wow, they completely changed it. I was not prepared for this. They used to have Christianity and religion, but now it's they... It's like uh, Christianity and gospel, or Christian and gospel, something. But I'm on iTunes. You're on Apple Music. Uh, all right. All right. Here we go. So so let's just do this. All right. Let's just do a today's Christian playlist. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going <laughs> to... Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hold on, man. So I came to, to iTunes, right? And okay. categories under under genres, Christian and, and uh gospel. And I'm just scrolling down and this is just kind of what I see. The new uh Hillsong United EP. Scroll over. I see Elevation Worship. I see Lauren Daigle. Uh, there you go. That's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to do. I mean, that's exactly that that's my point. Right and this there. is the front page of that. That's my point right there. Carrie Job. I, I I rest my case because look, all of those that 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 he just named, they do not hold to the sufficiency of scripture. They don't. They absolutely don't. Um, and and, and that's what's popular. And, and so so Jesus himself said, wide is the path mm-hmm. that leads to destruction, narrows the gate that leads to life. Um, so, so put in the work, you know, and and know that you're standing on the shoulders. Number one, if you seek to honor Christ and you take care of the depth of your ministry, he will take care of the breadth. You focus on that. And that's what the reformers did. They, they were all word centered. It was Christocentric. It was Christ centered. And you let him take care of the rest of it. And, and, and like I said, just know this, it, you, you will get pushback from it. 
but you honor him and you let him take you and do with you what he will. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, so in wrapping up kind of my, the, my closing thoughts I want to bring to the table is, uh, you said at the beginning that Christ is the head of the church. Um, and I think about it this way to, to kind of bring kind of a practical application. Um, the husband is the head of the house, right? Uh, well, as my son gets older, if I tell him, you know, to clean the house or I tell him to clean his room, uh, something, if I tell him to do something, I have explained certain ways in which I want things to be done. And if he does something that is not the way that I have said I want it done, then he's not doing it my way. He's not honoring me. He's doing it his way, the way he wants to do it in order to get it done, uh, just so he can say he got it done. That's how we approach worship. Because Christ is the head of the church. Christ has said how we are to worship him. Therefore, we don't import the way we want to worship Christ. We, right. we worship him the way he, as the head, has said he wants to be worshipped. And I think about our conversation with Matthew Robinson, mm. where he said, when they were doing the first Behold Your God study in, in the portion on worship, uh, he was talking with someone that they, uh, they came out of uh, uh, an Eastern, maybe like an Indian or, or Buddhist, some yeah, kind yeah. of religion. And he said, you know, people make the excuse. They say, well, you know, well, this is just how I worship. Well, and he said, this guy said that how he worshiped was he took a bowl of rice every morning and put it in front of this statue. You know, that was just how he worshiped. But that wasn't true worship. So how we approach God in our work, we can't just come how we want because that's how we want to do it, because that's how we've always done it and say, right. this is worship. This is what I'm offering to God. If it's not what God has demanded we in a way that we worship him, if it is not what he has prescribed us to do for him, to, to mm -hmm. worship him, mm -hmm. it will not be worship that will be accepted. We don't just That's say, right. we, we don't just say, oh, well, God knows my heart. You're exactly right. And your heart is wicked. And your heart is thinking about yourself and how you want to worship God rather than thinking about Christ and how Christ says he is to be worshiped. So we are to come as he says, we are to worship him, not how we want. What it's not just he knows our heart. Yes, he knows our heart, and he says our hearts need to change. Um, so we need to come with a heart that's seeking after Christ rather than a heart that's seeking after whatever works uh, to make it look like we're just we're doing things to honor him when we're really right, not. We're actually right, honoring, right. glorifying ourselves. Amen, brother. Amen. I, I, I'm, I, and that's it. You know that that's it. It's uh, it, worship is uh, is about him. Worship is we are to worship him uh, in spirit and in truth. Um, and 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 I think back to that that passage of scripture that I read, kicking us off. You know, in uh, in in John four twenty two, you worship what you do not know. Um, uh, there in Luke six again, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Um, and, and the scariest thing, the scariest thing to think about is is the rebuke that our lord himself gives uh in, in matthew chapter 7 and, and, and this is where you know th this is that that passage of scripture 
that um that that I that I kind of talked about earlier when um starting in verse 13 it says but enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction there are many who enter through it for the for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and there are few who find it um and then and then skipping down to you know to to verse 21 not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles and in your name we you know we 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 said this is how we fight our battles in your name we talked about your reckless love in your name you know we we fill in the blank but then what? He says, he says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me. You who practice what? Lawlessness. Do you really not think the way we worship God matters? Do you really think that we can just, if it's not, you know, expressly prohibited in scripture or whatever is cool, whatever sounds good, that we can just, we can just bring before him? How many stories in scripture do we see of the Lord? Um having speaking of visceral reaction you know um nadab and abahu the strange fire that they brought before yeah. the lord they gone yeah I, I i mean uzzah for crying out loud uzzah was just trying to catch the ark mm-hmm. he knew the importance of the ark and how holy it was mm-hmm. but he didn't approach and that ultimately that's david's fault mm-hmm. because of david's pragmatism but they didn't approach god correctly and rightly and it's not to earn favor it's not saying we have to do that for salvation we're not saying that there's legalism in salvation but there are standards yeah and how we worship god and he has clearly laid them out in the scriptures yeah yeah i think that's a good point to say that there are standards uh yeah for sure you know and even going back to that passage in john 4 uh you, you know where, where jesus says you worship what you don't know but what was what what was the motive of the Samaritans, right? They thought they were worshiping the true God. That was their motive. They thought they were doing the right thing. Right. And then and Jesus we, says, No, you're not. That's right. That's right. Well, and what have the reformers taught us? What did the reformers teach us? This being Reformation Month, right? The whole the, the name of this episode is the Reformation of Worship. Um they taught us that it needs to be central, central on the word of God, mm-hmm. because what that will do, right? Okay. I think of, I think of this and, and here's, here, here's why it has to be central on the word of God. Here's why you have to be dogmatic about it. Okay. Psalm Not 19. Dogmatic, but full dogmatic. Yeah. To quote Steve, Steve Lawson. Lawson yeah. <laughs> right. So, so, so here, here's why. So Psalm, Psalm 19, one of my favorite passages of scripture, I'm actually preaching out of this passage, uh, coming up at the cruciform conference. Um, get your tickets at cruciformministries.org. <laughs> Promo code still standing for 10% off. <laughs> Plug there. So, so when, when, when the, the, the psalmist here, David, He's run through here. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the, Lord, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. And in Psalm 119, he says, very pure. And I love that. Um, 
enlightening the eyes. Verse nine, the fear of the Lord is clean during forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. And here's, here's, here it is right here. Here's why we're bulldogmatic about this. Here's why the regulative principle matters. Here's why you don't worship the way you feel like you do. Here's why you don't base your worship on any sort of standpoint epistemology or experience, right? Here it is. Moreover, by them, the scriptures... Okay, the them is the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord. That's the them. Moreover, by them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults and keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let those sins not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The point of keeping the scriptures, the point of worshiping God the way that he has commanded, the point of sticking uh, and, and wanting everything to be saturated, to be focused, to be centered on Christ alone. And, and, and remember, Christ is the incarnate word. The reason that, we're, that we do that, because when that's our focus, it's like aim small, miss small, right? If you focus on the scriptures and sticking to the scriptures and sticking to be regulated by the scriptures, it's able to acquit you of hidden faults and the presumptuous sins. That's all I got. Boom. Uh, if you or your church are in need of a worship leader, please hit Chris up. Uh, if you are looking for a new pastor, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I am available uh, and I can move if necessary. Uh, <laughs> just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, I hope that you guys see and understand how important scripture is to mm. our worship it's where our worship is derived from it's how we know how to worship god uh it, it, i mean it's how we know what pleases god in our worship why would we want to use anything else why would mm. we want to bring in anything else when we have the actual breathed out right theonustos breath of god that says what he wants. Come on, bro. What makes us think we have we have some kind of clever way to worship God? Who, who do we think we are? Mm. No, we, we need to humble ourselves and we mm. need to elevate scripture again. We, we need to elevate scripture and we need to uh, de-elevate our sense of pride and how we think we should approach God right he must increase we must decrease that's right so uh so a couple of things as we're as we're getting out of here not necessarily on this topic so but um uh man uh so coming up uh the next couple months um drew and i have a ton going on um so uh just uh so so the frequency to which uh we will be having podcast episodes is going to be decreasing um, so we just, we got the cruciform conference coming up uh, at the end of the month. And, uh, 
So I've got a, a sermon to finish preparing for, for that. Um, I've got uh, a lot of messages to prepare. Yeah. <laughs> uh drew drew's uh drew speaking at a at a like a is it disciple now is a disciple now yeah disciple now weekend that i'm leading worship for that's in in december December. and then Um, after cruciform conference i believe i am uh i'm preaching for brandon scalf in his church yep Uh, yep i believe that's still the plan um but and i'm also on call uh in case i have to uh occupy the pulpit just for cruciform conference, you know, you always, yeah. you never know someone gets sick or something. Uh, some emergency happens. You got to have someone to be able to fill in. So um, yeah. I am preparing uh, all those topics as well, <laughs> just in case. Uh, but there is, there, there's just a lot of things that are, that are going on right now. Uh, so the frequency, yes, yeah. is going to be uh, down a little bit. It's not going to be every yeah. single week. Yeah. 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 So, so just wanted to say that and uh, uh, yeah, just to let you guys know, we appreciate the support and the prayers and the encouragement that we, uh, that we get constantly and, and the podcast is not going anywhere, but just know that uh, the next time you will hear from us will most likely be from the cruciform conference um, as uh, on the 22nd, which man, that was three weeks from yesterday, bro. Wait, we gotta um, record. don't we have to record next week? Oh wait, my bad. Yes. Because we got, man, yes. we got to do, kidding. yeah, we've got, yeah, we've got next week. Sorry, we, just we, kidding. And then because we are recording at the Cruciform Conference, that is not, probably not going to air until like November. So we have to get an extra one for, uh, whatchamacallit, for Reformation Month. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do have, we do have one more topic we wanted to tackle for the Reformation Month. Um, well, I, actually, there are two. I, the, one, yes that I'm still waiting to hear back from, but another one I'll tell you when, when we get off. of. Okay. Here. Okay. <laughs> Live in person folks. I was thinking, I was thinking of, uh, of it today. Yeah. So, um, and last thing, should I share what's going on? Do it, dude. Show your stuff. It's your show dog. It's not, my, <laughs> you stop saying that it's not my show. Um, so uh, something kind of cool happened uh, this this week, and we're recording this on the 9th of October. Uh, I uh, was invited to uh, come on to the Just Thinking podcast team as the public relations manager. Um, so I started that this week. Um, and Big Tama. Oh, gosh, stop. Um <laughs> I'm, I'm very humbled at the opportunity uh, and, and, uh, and at the same time, you know, going, oh, wow, that's a lot. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, there's just, there's just a lot going on um, right now. And so if you guys would be praying for me and if you have not subscribed to the Just Thinking podcast, what are you doing? Well, first subscribe to us and then subscribe to them. Well, if you're and listening then, to this, you've probably already subscribed to us. And then, and then, uh, reach out to them and tell them that you heard about them through us. Yes, yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, definitely. Please do that. Please do that. So, um, so yeah, just, just uh, the, the Lord's doing some cool stuff. Um, lots of cool stuff all the time, but um, over overwhelmed. And Drew, Drew's got some stuff going on too, which, which I'll let him share it whenever he wants to, but <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, looking at career stuff, career yeah. 
paths and things like that. So kind of boring stuff, unless of course, someone listening to this is like, you know what, we need a new pastor. Uh, how quickly can you get here? And I'll be like, um, we'll be there next week. Doc. Let me look for yeah, a house. Bro. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> that would yeah. be the only thing that changes in my kind of <laughs> career trajectory is if, is if someone was like, Hey, uh, can you be our pastor? And I'll be like, uh, sure. Definitely. <laughs> that would be the only thing that the that question would... is, do you want me as your pastor? Yeah, that's the question. Cause Depending with me on... comes, with me comes controversy. <laughs> uh, because uh, I mean, if you listen to the show, right. Well, Look, you know, <laughs> truth is offensive. So I will try not to be truth offensive of, myself, but the truth is. <laughs> so if you've listened, you, you kind of get that, you know, I'm a little rough around the edges. Uh, so just throwing that out there. I don't think you're rough around the edges, but that's just me. Maybe it's because I know you. Maybe that's just because no one else hears our private conversations. <laughs> Probably so. So. <laughs> Well, hey, we, we, we appreciate you guys. Thanks for, thanks for listening, tuning in, uh, you know, uh, listen to this episode, share this episode. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, emotional outbursts, you know where to find us. Um, Send and... them to Andy Stanley because <laughs> we ain't listening to it. <laughs> Just kidding. We'll listen to it. <laughs> I mean, we'll probably have a, have a laugh about it, but, you know, just... <laughs> but Thank still send it to Andy Stanley anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 Send it to Andy. He's not meeting right now. So he's got, yeah. He, yeah. He's got plenty of time. <laughs> I mean, his country well, club's not meeting, so he's good. Yeah. I mean, what happens when a pandemic hits, you know, you close your country club gathering that you call a church and benefit everyone because now they can actually attend real churches. Hey man, the Lord is constantly purifying his bread. That's right. Boom. See yes, what I mean man. about rough around the edges? Well, I, I kind of started that, so my bad. Uh, All right, yeah. we're going to get out of here before we end up saying anything else that we probably shouldn't. So yeah, thanks for listening. This is probably going to get us in trouble already. Happy Reformation Month. We'll Happy Reformation talk to you guys month. soon. Nailed it. <laughs>